Welcome to episode number 91 of the Marine Layer podcast. The Mariners swing a couple of trades. Mitch Hanniger is home in Seattle. Robbie Ray is off to San Francisco. And the Mariners also acquire Luke Rayleigh from the Tampa Bay Rays. We'll react. Here's your reminder before we start the show. If you're listening to our podcast, make sure to download our episodes, leave us that five-star review, follow the show. The reviews and downloads help us out big time. Make sure to like, comment, subscribe on YouTube where our full video podcast is. And then go check us out on social media where we're on Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, and YouTube shorts at Marine Layer Pod. Let's get it rolling. And we welcome you to this episode of the Marine Layer Podcast, part of the Just Baseball Podcast Network. Recording here late at night on Friday, January 5th. Timing, Jerry. The ultimate timing in the world. You and I were talking in between episodes. Like, hey, if there is a day that Jerry DePoto is not allowed to make a move, it is on Friday. You're moving to the East Coast. I have a busy work day. Jerry, take Friday off, pal. Go for a walk. Get some fresh air. Turn the phone off. He didn't listen. The Mariners swing not one, but two trades today. And it's intriguing. So one of our followers is messing with us. I think one of our listeners has some relationship with Jerry DePoto, and they called him up yesterday and said, hey, those Marine Layer podcast guys, well, one of them's going to be on a flight all day. One of them's got a jam-packed work day. So you're making a trade today. You're going to piss those guys off on purpose just for us to sit here and say, you know, Jerry, some people's priorities are more important than others. Oh, you've got deals in place? Well, we've got things to do. So thank you for making today such, I'm not even going to say hell. Do we love sitting here and recording these episodes? Of course we do. So I'm not going to say hell. I just would have rather not been mid-flight and you've been mid-radio show when this went down. We're always up for Mariner's trades usually, but maybe not in the middle of a flight in a radio show. Yeah, you don't want to receive the message of a trade with me copying and pasting the text of Ken Rosenthal's tweets and sending them to you, because that's the only way you could see it. I mean, literally, that's how you find out. Okay, (laughs) so here's how it went. I'm on the plane. I have free texting on the plane, so I can text and send iMessages. I just can't go on social media, but you can still get some updates if you have notifications on on Twitter or on Instagram, whatever. So I saw like the first three words of a passing tweet and saying breaking. And I saw Mariners in there and I just start in all caps, texting you, texting my brother, texting a couple of my friends. I'm like, I cannot see these. I cannot see what's going on. Send me this right now. Like I'm getting pissed off. I was like, what Like, what the hell is going on? And, and then we found out. So let me tell you, Mariners fans, do not fly on a plane when a trade goes down because it is not fun. You are you are scrambling for any information you can. And I'll tell you what, shout out to TJ that he's usually on his phone and is a quick responder because otherwise I would have been sitting on that flight just wondering what in the world is going on. Okay, well, I'm glad you had a good flight. I'm glad you made it to the East Coast okay. Uh, but the trades themselves, very interesting because as we sit today, here's what the trades happen. Here's what happened. So the Mariners trade Robbie Ray and his contract to the San Francisco Giants. They get back Mitch Hanniger and Anthony Desclafani, who's a starting pitcher. He's going to pitch out of the bullpen, be sort of a swingman, Chris Flexen type for the Mariners. And then directly after that, the Mariners trade 
Jose Caballero to the Tampa Bay Rays. And in exchange, they get Luke Rayleigh back, who's in his technically second year of service time. They'll have five years of control over him. He mashes. He's going to play the outfield. He can play first base as well, which is key. Those are the two trades. The Mariners come out payroll neutral, essentially cash neutral in this trade. The Giants also sending $6 million over to the Mariners in that trade because the Mariners take $29 million of payroll this season and send 23 the Giants way, and the Giants offset that with cash. So the Mariners sit in the same payroll situation that they they were at before this trade, and they upgraded two outfield spots. They got starting pitching depth. Uh, yeah, that's it. So two outfield spots and starting pitching depth, and they freed up nine and a half million dollars next season from Robbie Ray's contract, and they freed up twenty five million dollars of Robbie Ray's contract in the twenty twenty six season. So in total, that's about thirty four and a half million dollars worth of future savings for the Mariners. Two outfield upgrades and starting pitching depth, with which is as valuable as ever. Let's start with the first trade. Mitch is back. That's good. Happy that Mitch is back. Doesn't seem like they're going to rely on Mitch quite as much in this 2024 season. I'm guessing Mitch Hanniger's coming back to pair up with Dominic Canzone. That seems right, especially because Mitch hasn't really hit righties pretty much the last few years. Or if he has, it hasn't been at the level that would warrant him playing every day. I think we've seen Dom hit righties. What Mitch does still do is he can hit lefties. So... If he can play the outfield and he can hit against left-handed pitching, which is he has proven to do. I mean, look what he did in 21. He OPSed over 900 against left-handed pitching. So if he can be the right-handed bat of the platoon, which the Mariners said they wanted to add, right? They said, we want somebody to pair in the outfield to be the platoon bat against left-handed hitters. I don't think any of us thought that was going to be Mitch Hanniger. We threw out the Connor Joe idea on our last show. We threw in a couple other ideas. But I don't think anybody thought it was going to be Mitch, which is why so impossible to predict Jerry DePoto trades. He'll he'll do things that you least expect. But in terms of Mitch being back, you're right. He is not likely going to be relied on to play every day. He will have more of a role and a limited role. But that's okay because he has battled injuries. He is getting older. He's now 33. I think this makes a little bit more sense that you can use Mitch for what he's good at and try to preserve his health while also improving the offense. So much for our platoon statement. I mean, that's just out the window now. I guess I guess Jerry told us to fuck off. Well, he now has the platoon bat, but it's Mitch. Well, there's that's not the only platoon. We said one. Oh, oh, oh. You mean in total for the team. Yeah, yeah. in total. Yeah, we're that getting... could be it's three at least right now. So we've got second base, we've got left fields, and What's right the field. other. Yeah, yeah, and right field. Rayleigh's a platoon. They the stat on Rayleigh, we'll get to him. 363 out of his 406 plate appearances were against righties. That's platoon. Yeah. Yes, that is. So that's uh that's unfortunate. So Jerry has tripled our our request on platoons this offseason. Unfortunate. But as long as it makes the Mariners better, I don't know how much we can complain. And and, and that's certainly what these trades did. I'm I'm a little worried about Mitch staying healthy. Having him and Mitch Garver on the same roster. It's got to make some people nervous. We're talking about Mitch this past season. He had by far his worst season as a full-time pro, and he had issues with uh, fractured forearm. He had an oblique issue. 
Uh, he had one other issue as well that landed him on the IL, and he only played a little over sixty games this season. And he's getting he's going to be thirty three. It just that is not a that's not a very trustworthy track record of injuries. And he's always been injury prone, and it's not going to get better as he gets older. There's hope that he can manage to offset both his strikeout rate, which is really climbed. It got up to 28% last season as he gets older, as well as hoping a little bit of load managing can mitigate his injury issues and say, hey, listen, Dom Canzone, if you can go out there and have a 115 WRC plus against right-handers, and then Mitch, when you're healthy, you go out there and you do the same against lefties, then we can have a very productive right field duo and that's the hope right here and it also helps Dom Canzone get a little bit more comfortable with the major leagues without really having a ton of pressure on him which I feel like he had last season and maybe got to him a little bit this is going to allow him to ease in a little bit more so I'm happy with that and uh, the thing is with Mitch the the money thankfully again offsets because the contract he signed with the Giants a, a little expensive for the current Mariners take uh current Mariners taste but with that Robbie Ray money it as, it essentially offsets Mitch coming on the roster in 2023 so they're able to go from essentially having Sam Haggerty or Taylor Trammell or the pick pick your triple a guy that you want to come up and put him in the outfield and instead it's Mitch Haniger in there and even with the injury issues you're going to say I will take that every single day of the week so I'm happy with that so I'm happy Mitch is there instead of some of those other guys because I think that's going to make the Mariners significantly more productive does it not still feel like Mitch's injuries are still freak injuries I know he has built up the reputation for being injury prone he's not going to avoid that at this point but you just mentioned it fractured forearm oblique injury it's not they're not soft tissue injuries, right? Like these are these are freak injuries that seems like every single time that happens to him, which is crazy well, because that's an oblique's a, a muscle. Of... Yeah, I guess the oblique is a muscle. It just feels like he's had so much bad luck over the years with injuries, and he has. But he's also built up a, a reputation now for being injury prone, and it's unfortunate. But you miss games, you miss games, and the Mariners now have two key contributors. So Mitch, what he's gonna. If he's going to play against every single left-handed pitcher, so he'll get some righties too. But so lefties, it's about 30%. And then you throw it in there. Say Mitch plays in half the games. And then you want Mitch Garver playing ooh, 70, 80% of your games at least. And a guy who's never never proven that, that's asking a lot from key contributors. I mean, Mitch Hanner is going to hit in the middle of the lineup. Maybe not fourth, but Mitch is probably hitting fifth sixth at lowest when he's in that lineup and then Mitch Garver is going to be hitting cleanup that's a lot of a lot of a, a, a lot relied upon those two guys and when I look at our comments and, and our reaction and reaction from the fan base to this trade that was a very serious concern with a lot of people I don't trust Mitch Hanniger to stay healthy relying on Mitch Hanniger in 2024 is a bad idea because they're going to be sitting there at the all-star break Mitch is going to somehow be out for two months with whatever injury they decide. And the Mariners are all of a sudden going to be scrambling for another outfielder and might not have payroll to go get another outfielder. And some people think, okay, well, if we're in the offseason and we have an opportunity to go get another outfielder who's less injury prone, why didn't we go do that? Why did we go get Mitch? Well, Mitch was apparently available and the Giants were willing to take on all that money. Even if you don't agree with it, that's what happened. It all comes down to money. I just realized listening to you 
talk in that last talking point right there. We're going to have to really separate the whole Mitch and Mitch thing, aren't we? Because I'm used to when people say Mitch, you mean Mitch Hanniger, which is what everybody's used to that, that's a Mariners fan. But then you're saying, I, see, I knew what you meant. You would say Mitch and then Mitch Garver. I think we're going to have to. I think we're going to have to put a label on both of these guys for this year to make sure everybody knows what we're talking about. I'm assuming when you say Mitch, people know you mean Hanniger. Yes. Yeah. Although I don't know if we're going to have to start calling him Hanniger instead, which I'm not really used to. Everybody just calls him Mitch. Garver might have a nickname by the time the season rolls around. That might ha- that'll help us. I think it's funny. I was writing out the lineup, which once we go through all these trades, we can kind of mock what the lineup looks like. But. I, I wrote Mitch in the four spot and then hit enter and went down to five. I was thinking, I'm like, oh, that's an issue. Because I was like, do I put Mitch Hanniger fifth? And then it would be like, Mitch, Mitch. Oh, that's kind of confusing. <laughs> Let me are, think about that again. Are these two guys going to have a nickname? Like, is this pair going to have a nickname this year? <clears throat> they stay healthy and mash? Yes. Mitch Mashers? Oh, I like that. The Mitch Mashers? I can, the Mitch I can Mashers. Get the that. Mitch Mashers. I like that. Yeah, yeah. Well, here, we just tab- we just tabbed and trademarked that right here. So if you use the Mitch Mashers this year, please credit at Marine Layer Pod. Thank you. Um, yeah. Do we want to get to Robbie Ray here? Yeah, w- yeah, we can. I'm... This was a little disappointing. The, ro- like, ha- the Robbie Ray experience or letting him go? Letting him go. I'm kind of disappointed. I was, I was excited for him to come back. So you could tell everybody to take their mortgage and put it on his strikeout total again? Well, I need to make the money back somehow. I still get shit to this day about that. I maybe it's it's just delusion from from his spring training last year and looking at that splitter and thinking, man, Robbie Ray looks evolved. He looks healthy. He looks ready to roll. And unfortunately, it just didn't work out. And there's a little sliver of hope in my mind that if Robbie Ray comes back by the end of the season, he could be a real key contributor in that rotation. And when he's pitching at his best, I'm sorry, he's better than Bryce Miller and Brian Wu. That's not a discussion. So if the Mariners are actually trying to make a playoff push, you would want Robbie a peak Robbie Ray starting instead of Bryce Miller and Brian Wu. Instead, now the Giants are going to do that. And the Giants are going to assume the risk of $50 million combined over the 2025 and 2026 seasons and nursing Robbie back to health this season. Maybe the Mariners did not trust his medicals and did not want having to work Robbie back in a rotation that was already full of five guys they trusted. Meanwhile, the Giants were like, hey, we actually do need rotation help. We will be willing to assume that risk. And the Mariners, who are staring down the barrel of apparent financial concerns, saying, well, we can't do that. Do you think Robbie's opt-out has anything to do with this? Because remember, he has an opt-out after three years, and I'm sure most of you, like the two of us, would probably assume, well, after the injury, he's not going to take the opt-out. Although the starting pitcher market is so crazy, I don't know. Maybe he thinks he could get more money if he's healthy off the injury. So do we think the opt-out has anything to do with this? Yes, I do. Because I I don't think he'd take it. I think he'd just take his $50 million. As absurd as the market is. So how old's Robbie going to be after this season? 32? That sounds right. So he'll be 32. Coming off Tommy John, he'll pitch, we think, two healthy months at the end of the season. He very well could have a setback. We don't know. It's tricky coming back from injuries. And we're not even taking account that he could struggle coming back from injury because he hasn't pitched in nearly a season and a half at that point. So he decides to saddle himself and say, well, I have $50 guaranteed. Why would I give that up? And the Mariners are like, 
well, staring at Root Sports, we don't have fifty million to pay you in the next two seasons. We don't want to. We don't want to worry about that. So we're going to let another team who would be willing to pay you fifty million dollars to take on that risk instead. If Robbie Ray was pitching at a Cy Young level, I hope I would hope the Mariners would find a way to say, all right, well, fifty million dollars over two seasons for a Cy Young caliber pitcher seems worth it. But if the Mariners didn't think he's going to get back to that and he was going to keep aging and his his stuff was going to deteriorate, then it's like, okay, well, $50 million isn't worth it. So that opt-out was, I think so. That's a big number. Considering the the, the money they have taken off the books this offseason, it's huge. It's a massive number. It is a massive number. And look, his 2022 season was fine. It wasn't all-star level or anything like that. He had his, like, there was a point from June till early September or so where he was really sharp, but his first two months were rocky. His last month was rocky. I'm not even talking about the tank he gave up to Jordan. I'm talking about his regular season as a whole. He got one okay season out of Robbie Ray. Then he threw just over three innings in 22, gets injured, gets Tommy John, and he won't be back till about August this year. And then if he gets healthy, you get two additional years of him. Maybe the Mariners saw this as, look, we've got five guys we really like. We could acquire some additional depth. If we can get something back for Robbie Ray, we'll take it and shed some money. As unfortunate as, as it is to say that these guys are still salary dumping, that is a part that plays into this, along with, again, how could you not love, one, what you saw out of Bryce Miller and Brian Wu this year? And also, Jerry Depoto talking about the trade today, he said, look, we fielded calls on Miller and Wu. We're going to always be open to what others have to say about potential trades. But Jerry said the, what we were hearing in terms of what teams were offering was not what we wanted. So we shut it down. So I guess that goes back to what we talked about a couple episodes ago regarding Miller and Wu saying, is the ceiling and the, and the asking price sky high for these guys? Well, maybe it was maybe what the Mariners wanted and what we thought they should get was not what other teams were willing to offer. So if that's the case, Mariners said, all right, let's shed some money. If somebody's going to take Robbie Ray, we can get some offensive pieces back for him. It's very likely that Miller and a Miller and Wu trade was on the table first before a Robbie Ray trade. That would make more sense because that nets you the best return. Because when we're staring today and Ken Rosenthal is like, hey, there's a position, a major league position player trade coming with the Rays after this. I know you and I thought the exact same thing, and it was not Luke Rayley. I mean, I thought it was Randy. I thought it was either Randy or Paredes. Yep, or or both if they were going to really hit a blockbuster because they literally just acquired a starting pitcher. Makes total sense, but that was not the case. But with those words from Jerry, like those guys were definitely on the block first, and they were trying to gauge the market first. I don't know if he was expecting two big league bats and they were only offering one. He's like, Meh, no, I'm good because I can get a big league bat with Mitch Hanniger and I can trade Jose Caballero for another big league bat that solves the issue. And I keep all my young pitching. Okay, that's fine. So if that's what Jerry, if that, if Jerry trusts his process enough to say, well, we set the price guy high and if you don't meet it, okay, well, I am comfortable keeping them. How about Robbie Ray and Robbie Ray uh, was it, you're able to still get productive big leaguers with trading Robbie Ray and his contract away, which is a plus. Certainly it certainly is a plus. So with that money, again, the money is now, it's even for this, for this season. The Mariners' payroll is $121 million right now after this trade. So there's still money to spend there after that trade with the Giants. Okay, you know Which what's kind of 
it is good because the Mariners still need to add. There are still pieces that can improve on the offensive side of the ball, and I don't think they're better as a team definitively than they were last year yet. So if you're trying to accomplish that, there's still more to do. Can we acknowledge for a second, though, Robbie Ray's no-trade clause expand, expand, er, expanded, what am I saying? It ended January 1st, 2024. That's the day his no-trade clause ended. So like the second it ended, Jerry's like, well, let's get on the ball with that and deal him away. I think Jerry knew exactly what he was doing. I do. It's like what we, we, it's, it's the same concept of the Luis Castillo. I trade idea this off season, as ludicrous as it was, it was for a certain reason to get 20 plus million dollars off the books. And so they look at the same contract with Robbie Ray that funny enough, no one was, no one was thinking about that with Robbie Ray because it's like, well, he's hurt. Who's going to trade for him? Hmm. Well, someone did. And the Giants happily took on that money instead. I've got one more point to make, and then we'll get to the second trade here. Is the fact that the name the Mariners got back being Mitch Haniger sort of putting band-aids over the wounds here in a sense? Because think about it. If the Mariners were getting back some other player who was super injury prone and put up a 73 WRC plus in just over 60 games last year, what would people be saying? Now, again, I love Mitch Haniger. You love Mitch Haniger. The fan base loves Mitch Haniger, and we know it is best. He's a really good player. I'm just, and, and, and I'm really happy he's back. I'm just trying to play devil's advocate here and say, well, if this was somebody else, would people be reacting differently right now? I think you know the answer to that question. Well, it's yes. It is yes. It's yeah. not. I don't even have to think about that. People are happy Mitch is back. The players are certainly happy Mitch is back at puts more of a smile on Cal's face than Cal Jerry acquiring someone Cal does not know who has a 73 WRC plus and significant injury issues. Mm-hmm. Slight mitigation. Yeah. Oh, there's no doubt about it. Oh, we should probably mention like one thing about Anthony Desclafani before we move on to look, they got some rotation depth. He's going to be the sixth guy. He'll probably be the long reliever in the bullpen. You know, he was actually really good two years ago. Two years ago, he had a three one seven ERA. But he's not that guy anymore. He's struggled the last two years. He hasn't stayed on the field. So if he if he gives you some good work out of the bullpen as a long reliever and can step in when you need a spot start, then great. That's exactly what I think his role is going to be. He's He will start if there's injuries in the rotation. Otherwise, he's going to be Chris Flexen. More expensive, <laughs> but Chris Flexen. Yeah, I agree with all of that. There was another trade today, though. Mariners acquire Luke Rayleigh in exchange for Jose Caballero. This one was easier to digest. It is one for one straight up. Mariners get Rayleigh. Cabby goes to the Rays. What was your reaction on this one? Because I, I know what mine was, but I'm going to toss it to you first. I just want to put a disclaimer. Whenever teams trade with the Rays, you instantly raise your eyebrows like, okay, so why are the Rays trading that player? And I'm trying to figure that out with Luke. I'm trying to figure that out with Luke Rayleigh. I really can't because... The Rays traded a guy with a 130 WRC plus last season for Jose Caballero. Let that sink in. The Rays traded a man with a 130 WRC plus last season, one of the better power hitters in baseball on a rate basis for Jose Caballero. Am I missing something? That was exactly my reaction. Actually, you are. Luke Rayleigh has five years of club control, too. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Making league minimum. Look, Jose Caballero had a nice first half last year. He put up two wins as a whole. 
but it turned out it seemed like it was more of a flash in the pan because his second half was not good. He wasn't really hitting. He especially was not hitting righties, and he got thrown out on the base pads left and right. Maybe the Rays see something in him. Maybe the Rays don't like Luke Rayleigh's batted ball profile, especially since he does strike out a decent amount. But I got to tell you what, this feels early on like a win for Jerry and the Mariners with this trade. You needed outfield help. You need power in the lineup. Luke Rayleigh does both of those things. I, I see this as right now, nothing but a win. The Mariners have a million utility players, and I'm not truthfully sure if Jose Caballero ever puts up this level of production again. Maybe he does. But would you definitively say Cabby's going to be a two and a half win player or better at some point in his career? Maybe. But would you definitively say it? I don't think I would. I wouldn't either. Uh, Luke Rayleigh might be a utility player, too, because he also plays first base, plays multiple outfield positions, and he plays first base. So technically, he could be that label. He's also a platoon bat. So that that works. The thing is. He hits his platoon very well. 130 WRC plus, 363 out of 406 of his plate appearances came against right-handed throwers this year. And you know what? The Mariners will face 70 to 80% righties on the mound, period, because that's just how the distribution works among left-handers and right-handers amongst people that play baseball. So that means Luke Rayleigh is going to get a lot of playing time. And if Luke Rayleigh is going to have a 130 WRC plus in Seattle, 80% of the time, 70% of the time, that's a win. That's a massive win. The one thing that does make me raise my eyebrows, the fact he strikes out so much. What what happened to the philosophy of the offseason of going away from strikeouts? Because not only does Luke Rayleigh strikes out, he strikes out a lot, like 31.5% of the time, a lot. That's essentially bringing Jared Kelnick's strikeout rate back on the Mariners. What's funny about this, if we're going to draw the comparison with Jared Kelnick, so Luke Rayleigh's essentially going to take Jared Kelnick's spot. He is going to hit a bunch against righties. He's going to play in left field. Unlike Jared, he's going to play at first base. He potentially could play at first base. He's going to strike out 31.5% of the time, which is almost exactly what Jared's strikeout rate was. He's going to hit for pretty good power, like Jared as well. But most importantly, sizing up the two players. Who's going to be a better baseball player in 2024, Luke Rayleigh or Jared Kelnick? Now that Kelnick's a brave, I don't know. Are you sure this guy's not going to break out for 30 bombs in an all-star appearance? I, I feel like he, he maybe could. He, he, he could. I, I wouldn't put it past him. But Luke Rayleigh was definitively better than Jared Kelnick in 2023. Not cl- it was not close. That part's correct. Also, I feel like Rayleigh may play right field. I think, like, Mitch played mostly left with the Giants. I mean, maybe we're just getting nitpicky here, but I feel like you may see more of Rayleigh in right and Mitch in left. Okay, corner outfielder. Okay, that's fine. I'm just, if I'm trying to draw the picture for people. Maybe I'm wrong on this, but Mitch mostly played left field in San Francisco last year, so I'm just assuming maybe his range has gone down a little bit and they're trying to preserve it. But anyway, yes, Luke Rayleigh's going to hit. He hit better than Kelnick last year. He hit for more power than Kelnick last year. And he had a much better season. I mean, okay, so this is kind of a handpicked stat, but it still does mean something. The Mariners PR team tweeted this out today. Or yeah, they said um, they said Luke Rayleigh's 130 WRC plus was the ninth best among all AL left left-handed hitters in 2023. So it's a little bit of a handpicked stat, but it still it still reigns true, and that's that's a really good hitter that the Mariners are getting for Jose Caballero. 
it, and Jose Caballero wasn't going to have a 130 WRC plus. Let's get that out of the way. He was not going to have that kind of offensive production. So for the price of Jose Caballero and a pitcher who will not pitch 65% of the season for the Mariners, they have now upgraded again and two outfield spots and acquired a starting pitcher depth. That's like, that's good. Like if we're now zooming out and looking at what those trades are, like that's a, that's a win, isn't it? That has to be a win. You, you can argue in bad fit. You can argue and say that this Mariners team still is not good enough. And I would believe you. I think this is an 88 win baseball team right now. An 88 win baseball team. They would be exactly what they are last season. You could argue they're worse. You could say 86, 85, 84. Okay, I'll believe you because we just haven't really seen it, which is why as we conclude this Luke Rayleigh discussion, it is important the Mariners continue to add because while they improved their lineup with these trades today, I still don't think they're good enough to back up their message that they think they're contenders. So how do you make them better? Does it involve trading Ty for a third baseman? Rayleigh plays some first. Does, if you trade Ty, do you sign a first baseman like a Reese Hoskins? Do you just keep Ty and sign for a third baseman or trade some pitching depth for, for a third baseman? And I don't mean Wu or Miller by pitching depth, but somebody else, maybe Emerson Hancock. Like, How do you get the team better at this point? So if we're looking at what the roster currently is, the, the most likely hole that would get filled is a third baseman. You're right. Yeah. So the only way you would get a, a, a quality third baseman, you either A, sign Matt Chapman, which I don't know if they can afford, but and, that's an option. And, if we're looking on the free agent market. Well, and we've highlighted that that may not be the best business decision for the Mariners. If you want to go back and listen to our Matt Chapman free agent breakdown, you can. And we highlight why there are concerns there. So it's Matt Chapman or trade, right? And you could trade from your farm system or you could trade Tide France whatever's value you could still trade a starter if somebody all of a sudden meets jerry's needs because you now have anthony desclafani to pitch in the five spot if you need to trade somebody and emerson hancock okay there's still room to grow but the mariners are not definitively better until they do that because until then they're still just about the same team they were last year or still slightly worse and i don't think the trades today should make anyone satisfied with what's happened. I, 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 I just don't think so. I don't, cause I, you can judge pretty much. I, I feel like I can judge by my instant reaction to the trade, both trades today. My, my first initial reaction is, is what are they doing? Honestly, what, like what, what were they, what were they doing? And it calmed down a little bit as the day went on and I understand it. But if I have to say, what are you doing with a trade, even if it turns out to be okay, that probably means there still wasn't enough there because it wasn't obvious that it was good enough. So Jerry is tasked with uh, considerably more to do. Considerably more meaning one nice move. Nice move. Because what the Mariners have done this offseason is they have added around the margins. Mitch Garver a little bit farther into the margin, but still counts $12 million around the margins. We still hold out hope that one of these off seasons, and for the first time since they signed Robbie Ray, they go right to the middle of the margin and add. Otherwise, I just feel like, 
I feel like there's a lot of our expectations just continue to get let down, which shouldn't be shocking at all. I think the two trades they made today are good trades. I think they make the team better. We just highlighted with both Mitch and Rayleigh why they can make the team better. But it does get tiresome, man. Like it's, It just wears people out when you say, like, when is this team going to commit to being great? They are committing to competing. They're committing to being in the wild card race. They're currently not committing to truly being great. And, and again, we've talked about it all offseason. This isn't on Jerry. Jerry's doing, I mean, look, he, if he makes a bad trade, that's on Jerry. But Jerry's doing what he can with a hand tied behind his back with the payroll restrictions. So to your point, the Mariners have so far, we said the Mariners needed four new bats this winter after everybody was traded away. Well, now they have three. They have Mitch Garver for the DH spot, and they have two new outfielders with Mitch Hanniger and Luke Rayleigh. But if this offseason wants to be a win, the best bat they acquire should not yet have been acquired. What do we say about Mitch Garver when he signed? Good signing. Should not be the best bat they acquire this winter. If the Mariners acquire a better bat than Mitch Garver and a true difference maker, this offseason is a win. Because if they go get a difference maker to go play third base or wherever, this team can go from 87-ish wins to into the 90-win total in terms of a projection. If not, they're going to be in the mid to high 80s competing for a wild card spot, and people will be sitting around saying, okay, they had a decent winner, but it wasn't good enough. I think that's where they stand right now. You know, people are going to say, and you know, as tired as some people are of hearing it, it's true. 54%. That's the, that's the kind of baseball team they have on the field right now. They have a 54% roster. Do they, do they want to get over that? When Jerry, after the season, made those comments, went on and apologized, and he said, 54% is the floor. Well, they should never be content with sitting at the floor because that's a terrible way to think. I agree. And again, 54%, I, it's, it's such a meme now, and it's infamous, but at its core, that is a decent season because that's about an 87 to 88 win team every year, right? It is. But like you just said, that should not be what you're settling for ever. You heard the Dodgers tell Shohei, we've made the playoffs 10 straight years, won a World Series in our last 10 seasons. That's a failure. That's, that's the motto you have to have. That one right there. Not, not 54%. And again, I know Jerry made the comments, but I'm, I'm just going to harp on it again. Not all of this is tied back to him. He's only doing what he can do within his restraints. So I hope they have the resources to go acquire one more true impact bat. If they do, I'm going to sit here and say this was a good winner. It really was. They would have improved the offense and cut down on some strikeouts, even with acquiring Rayleigh. But they still have to do it. Mm -hmm. I cannot say this offseason, in its current state, I can't say this offseason's goal was to win a World Series. I can't say that. No, it's it's to stay competitive and to try to get into the wild card and then yeah. hopefully get lucky. Again, this motto and this philosophy they have, it can work. We've seen it with the Braves in 21 a little bit. We've seen it with the Diamondbacks. I mean, the, honestly, maybe the Braves isn't a good example because their payroll was higher. They had very, very, very good players on that team. But a team like the Diamondbacks who made a run, the Phillies in 22 when they made a run, even though their payroll was higher. and So maybe the Diamondbacks is the best example to use here. In the sense of you can get into the playoffs and then get hot and make a run. And that's what the Mariners are banking on. And that can work. The problem is you shouldn't be banking on that. You should just acquire the, the players necessary to field a roster that's a World Series contender on opening day and is expected to be one. That's where people's frustrations lie.
the most annoying thing for for people is the if if the aim is on the outer skirts of the playoff field, like then you have a definitely you have decent odds of being left out. Everyone just wants you to be solidly in the aiming for a solid chunk of the playoff field every single season, so you'll almost certainly make it. That's what people want. It's not that much to ask for for someone to try and be competitive. However, it seems a lot more difficult uh, than it is. So I I want to touch on maybe a couple of these Jerry quotes again. He did say they were uh, they were still looking and they still be open to addition. I I wasn't a, totally a fan of him saying, "Hey, if we take the field now, uh, I'd be happy." I would be. Uh, what was that? It's now finding a way to get better. Fun addition to. Uh, now it's finding a way to get better. Is it a fun addition to the bullpen? Is it an upgrade somewhere on the field that do, we don't really have? Sometimes things just appear, and you don't uh, anticipate that it was possible until it shows up. And we're opening to that happening, but I don't feel like we have to do anything. I don't like that sentence right there. I don't feel like we have to do because they do have to do something. Okay, but you know how this works. Do you think Jerry's going to sit there and say we're not good enough right now? Because then all of a sudden teams are going to go to them like they're desperate and make them overpay. So look, I, I don't know what Jerry truly thinks about what they should do the rest of this winter and what their plans are, but I'm guessing he's not going to tell the public Here's exactly what we're going to do. If he really has the means to go out and acquire another bat, he's not going to say, oh, oh, we've got more. We've got more cooking. Just wait. Because you know how that goes if he says that and then it doesn't happen? Terribly. So that's, that's why he's saying it. Again, they may not do much else, but he's not going to tell people that, oh, we're not happy right now. That's fair. That's fair. Okay, good. Thank you for talking me off the ledge. I feel I feel considerably better. But the expectation remains the same. But before we wrap up, I actually wanted to play another fun exercise. Our lineup projection did so well a couple weeks ago. So I, I want to do it again. Yeah. We have we have more to mock now. Yeah, so we, here's say, here's we, what I got. You want to hear what I got? Yeah, I was gonna say we did one on the last show too. It's becoming a regular occurrence now. I I, I like this. Okay. I have JP leading off, Julio, Cal, Mitch, Garver. Those four stay the same. And then Luke Rayleigh, if he's in the lineup, hits fifth. Uh, then I had Ty France after that. Mitch Hanniger slash Dom Canzone. Luis Urias, and then Josh Rojas. I basically had the same thing. I just had Ty and Rayleigh flipped around. I had Ty at five, Rayleigh at six. Rayleigh probably should hit ahead of Ty. They may just opt to keep Ty there. Although, to be fair... You also split up righties and lefties if you put Rayleigh at five and sandwich between Garver and Ty. So maybe that makes more sense to have Rayleigh in the five spot. So yeah, that, that feels about what it's going to be. Is your guy going to be platooning with Rayleigh? Are we getting a demo Rayleigh platoon? We might. We might have to get a platoon. Another platoon. It's three. Uh, and that's if they don't if they don't get a platoon at third base. Man, they love platoons. The only thing about Demo is, is he going to play right field? He's not hitting fifth. No, he's not hitting fifth, but he also, he can play good defense out there. He just doesn't have the greatest arm. His arm really only plays in left field. And, and even there, it's, it's, it's up and down. He's so then you move, you move Mitch to right, and you put Demo in left. Yeah, that would make more sense. Okay, so, so that. Then you yeah. can roll with that. Yes, there, but there is a chance they're going to platoon because Dylan Moore does hit lefties. So. If they're going to get him playing time regularly, you'll probably see it there. Like, that's a good lineup. 
good. That might be the 10th, 12th best lineup on the optimistic side. In baseball? Yeah, probably. Sure. Yeah, like around that 12 range feels about right. Now, the pitching staff still arguably the best in the game, but they want to be a World Series contender. That offense just has to get better. And that line, the lineup in that state, maybe only it's only slightly better at reducing strikeouts, only slightly, which again is fine because strikeouts. I mean, if you hit it really doesn't matter how much you strike out. Strikeouts have zero correlation with offensive success, but just the 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 philosophy preach this offseason and then the acquisitions today make it uh, a little strange when actually looking at it on the lineup because you have your top four cal is the only real strikeout problem there luke Rayleigh and demo both have strikeout issues ty doesn't mitch does and then urias and rojas don't but there's there's still in those crucial spots significant strikeouts so i i just think that's kind of interesting but sometimes that's what's available I would still factor in that Gino, Teo, Kalnick, and Ford all punched out over 30% of the time last year. Garver strikes out in the mid-20s range. Yeah, Rayleigh strikes out a little more. Mitch is in the high 20s, right? So Yeah, Mitch was would, 28% last season, and then yeah. Rayleigh's over 30. Yeah. No, yeah, Rayleigh's, like you said, And the Demo's at like 28 too. So now it's not drastically less, but it is still less. Not all, it again, is, technically, yes. So not all four of those guys are punching out 30% of the time. And also, Mitch has had plenty of years where his strikeout rate is in the mid-20s. And he didn't have a huge sample size last year. It was a while ago, though. That was was like before 30. What was was his strikeout rate in 22? I thought it was about 24. 26%. Oh, 26. Okay, that's a little higher. But even, okay, so drastically less, no, but it is a little bit less. So Mm -hmm. they they did cut down on strikeouts, if you want to look at it that way. I'll just uh, I'll re- remind you because I have to constantly remind myself. League average is like twenty two, so oh, we think yeah, that twenty six is kind of low, but twenty two is league average. Okay, well, fair enough. Like you said, they they had what was available to them, and they did still technically cut down. Maybe it wasn't cutting down drastically. Maybe it wasn't getting guys that never punch out, but they still did cut down somewhat. And let's hope this time. It translates with more offensive production. Whew, man, I think we went a little longer than we thought we were going to on this episode, which is okay. There's a lot to digest here. Is there anything else you want to wrap up with? No, I, I just think that if they are going to acquire someone, it's going to be an infielder. It's not going to be an outfielder. I think the outfield's pretty set control-wise and just philosophical-wise. I mean, you have future guys in Julio, Dom, and Rayleigh, and then you have Mitch, and you have Demo as well out there as well. So like. You have the set you need. The only way I'd see him acquiring an outfielder is if Ty gets traded for a third baseman and then you ask Rayleigh to play first base more. Then maybe you go sign Adam Duvall okay. or somebody. That's that's the only way I'd see it. Sign me up. Yeah. Which I don't know if they're really going to do or not, but I think that's the only way it would even happen. I Oh, I should probably even throw this in. I don't know if he's ever going to really get time there, but Dom Canzone did take some reps pregame at first base a decent amount last year. He never got in the game at first base, but he had a first base club out there during infield outfield a decent amount of the time toward the end of the year, and he was taking reps over there. So is that something they look at long term if they need an extra first baseman? Maybe. I don't know. Could just be trying to get him to be a little bit more versatile, but I, 
just thought it was noteworthy if we're talking about the first base position. I guess we'll see. We will see. All right. I think that wraps up for this emergency episode of the Marine Layer Podcast. You guys know the drill. You want to listen to the full form podcast, you can do so wherever you get your audio pods. Make sure to download, leave us a five-star review, and follow the show. Those reviews and downloads do help us out a bunch. Like, comment, subscribe on YouTube where the full video podcast is, and follow us on social media. We're on Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, and YouTube short at Marine Layer Pod. That's TJ. I'm Lyle. As always, we thank you guys for tuning in. We'll talk to you soon.